Welcome to Beneath Your Beautiful, where guests share stories of adversity and perseverance, which inspire, encourage, and challenge us. We embrace these tough conversations, intimately exploring our loves, fears, and hopes with a delicious combination of depth and lightness. I'm Katrina Bird, and many call me the boa flouncer because I love to wear feather boas. I'm a writer and playwright living in Jackson, Mississippi. I'm also a disability activist as well, and I'm happy to be here. (laughs) I'm happy you're here as well. You're an activist for disability. Do you have any disabilities? I am visually impaired. As one of the doctors said, she's functional. So I am functional. I travel, navigate the airports by myself. I live alone. I just don't have 20-20 vision like everybody else. Mm-hmm. I was that way since birth. But my disability activism didn't start until about four years ago, or I guess truly start in a consistent way. My partner, Dora, was diagnosed with ALS on November 18th, 2019. She passed away 76 days later on February 2nd, 2020. And ALS is amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. It is 100% fatal. And there are no cures and no treatments, nothing to slow it down. And so that's where my activist work has been focused in the past four years. How do you help people with ALS? What does activism look like in that area? Everything looks different with me. So for me, a big part of the activism is compassion. Mm. I have friends who live with ALS and I have friends who have lost people to ALS. And so one of the things that I do that I guess not too many people know about, but I stay in contact with people kind of on a daily basis, some people on a weekly basis, because I know how difficult this disease is. It's a nightmare that you're living. Yeah. And then when it's over, you're still living the nightmare. So when the disease resolves itself, Many people feel that the caregiver can now go and live their life and not everyone can. Right. That actually choked me up when you said that your activism is a staying in touch because I find it so hard. So I appreciate that in you. Oh, thank you. Another way that activism shows up in me is the, the boas, the feathers. It gives people something fun and beautiful and, you know, to, to look forward to and engage with. If you follow me on Facebook, you may have seen, I do an all wrapped up for every New Year's Eve, just basically saying this year's wrapped up. But then I post pictures of all the people I've been wrapped up in my boa with that year. (laughs) How did you wearing a boa get started? Oh my goodness, girl. So in 2008, I'm not a professional actress, but I auditioned for a play. It was called Hats, and it was uh, the story of women over 50 and how on the par with the Red Hat Society is Mm. what the play is 
and how women, you know, are having fun and living their lives. And so I auditioned and I got the part of Duchess, a 66 year old diva who (laughs) liked to dance and sing. And so the song that I sung was My Oven is Still Hot. (laughs) And that was the first time that I had ever used a boa before. So afterwards, I'm a writer. And so we had a training with the Mississippi Arts Commission down here. And they were telling us how to promote ourselves as artists. And at that time, I had very few publications. I didn't really have an audience because one of the first big things that people saw me do was Duchess (laughs) singing my oven was still hard. And they just could not (laughs) believe that was me. So I started a Facebook fan page as uh, we learned in the training, but I didn't have anything to talk about. And so I started talking about my boas and then I started talking about how my boas matched my hair, matched my shoes. You know, it was talk for about a year or so. But then I had to start living up to it. Um, People, when I showed up places like funerals, (laughs) people expected (laughs) to see me (laughs) in my boa. So it was an alter ego that, you know, Dora, my partner, helped me to build. We worked together with it and it quickly um, became a source of compassion. And um, the flouncer was a source of inspiration. I gave an 11 minute eulogy at one of my childhood friends funeral and she died of a heroin overdose. Mm -hmm. And so, as many people may know that these things are difficult and she lost her humanity because of this addiction. And her mother asked me to share about our time in high school. And I shared about our lifelong time together because we started in kindergarten and then we were in high school together. And then we did live together. We lived in the same apartment complex. So I wrote about all this Mm -hmm. and I shared it at her funeral while wearing my turkey feather boa. I mean, I had her mother laughing and it was like laughter is the highest vibration so it, I was thankful to be a part of that. And Dora told me after that, you made everybody remember her as opposed to the addiction. Oh, yeah. It's so lovely. Compassion is huge. I love that because not everybody can show it. It is really hard for people to be vulnerable enough, but also just get out of their own way to be available to others. Thank you for being that for others. Thank you for sharing that because so often I don't for so long. I just because I judge everything as a lot of us do on money and I don't have it and security. I don't either. This year was a year of redefining what success meant. And I had to come to that. It means doing what I love and the money cannot be the bar because I just borrowed money from my husband. I think we do have to redefine what rich means and what success means, because it's about who we are as people. That's all that matters in the end. What we own, what possessions we have. I don't think any of that matters, ultimately. It doesn't. And I had that 
privilege. My partner was white. So we're living in Mississippi and we're in an interracial same sex relationship with no legal ties to one another. Mm-hmm. I took care of her alone. 24 hour care alone is pretty, pretty rough. Yeah. She cared for a lot of people in her family. And so we were a caregiving team. So I knew when she was going into the active phase of death, she changed. I just knew. I put everything aside. I said, come on, let's get on the sofa. And I got her to the sofa and I sat. I turned off everything in the house and we sat together. I held her hand. I asked her a few questions, you know, and she responded. But during that time, her being white didn't matter. Me being black, me not having 20-20 vision didn't matter. All of our traumas that we had suffered and all of the love that we had together was pretty much all that was there. And it was a privilege to be able to to stand with her. One of the things that with ALS is all of the muscles weaken. And so even the breathing, the speech, swallowing nerve was paralyzed. Mm-hmm. And so she would sleep in the, the living room. She lost her son over 30 something years ago. He was shot and his picture was on the wall. And she asked me to turn her to face that. That was really difficult on both of us. She was so weak. When she sent me to bed, I told her I loved her. I said, I love you. And at this point, we'd been together for 23 years. We've been through lots of stuff. And she didn't have to go through that effort to say that to me. But she did. All this stuff that we focus on, nothing at that time mattered, but her and her transitioning. Thank you so much for sharing that with me. I always want to talk about death because, well, we're all going to be there. I just like to not be scared of it. And I appreciate that you, instead of trying to fix it, you just ushered her the path that she was going, no matter what, you know, I think we we jump up and get scared. And what are we going to do to save this person? I have a puppy dog. He's a lab mix and he's about 90 pounds and he's a he's a big boy. The neighbors had moved off and abandoned him and he was just a little bitty, underfed, starved little thing, mm-hmm. dirty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was funny, Dora, I was exercising and my exercise machine is in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> and she comes in and she gets some something, some canned food or something and takes it out. Now, when I'm done, she says, we have a dog. And I say, no, we, we don't have a dog because we agreed that we weren't going to get a dog till we get the yard fence. And I go out there and there's this little dirty mangy thing and I wrap him in a towel. And then Dora, as if she didn't have anything to do with this. I guess you're going to keep it. I was like, 
<laughs> you know, she, yeah, you brought him to the porch and fed him. So, yeah. And so, yes, after Dora died, there would have been no reason for me to get out of bed if it wasn't for, for Boots. Yeah. I really love that you took that puppy in as dirty and mangy looking as he was, because that's the whole point of it's not what we look like that matters, you know, our beauty, what our hearts are. And you're so full of compassion that your beauty just radiates. It's hilarious that you asked me, well, what is your disability? And that's because I've had lots of surgeries and have lots of things going on. I'm used to being judged on how I look. I was considered the mangy, you know, and I was set aside a lot. And so just because my eyes are better, I don't want anybody to go through that being set aside. What I appreciate about people most is compassion and vulnerability, and you have exhibited both. So you might be the most beautiful of all that I have interviewed. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Beneath Your Beautiful, hosted by Hara Allison. And thank you for your ratings and reviews. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Stay tuned.